Hello guys, Tom Shanklin here. Great to be with you today. And we want you to know that Jesus loves you very much and he's got great things in store for you in 2024 and beyond. Praise God, it is exciting. And it's exciting to share the word of God. And so we just wanna take a few minutes to look into God's word and be encouraged by his word. You know, the, the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there's, there's food in this for us, spiritual food, life. There's life in his word. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. So just encourage you today to receive the life that's in the word of God as we share it today. And I wanna to talk to you today about grace. Grace, you know, it's a, it's a subject that we hear a lot about and talk a lot about. But uh, today I want to look at the, this aspect, how that grace helps us to live right. Grace helps us to live right. You know, a lot of times we think of grace as, of course, the common de definition that we always hear is unmerited favor. And that's true. That's what it is. It's God's favor in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. And um, he gives us grace uh, to... Uh, give us the forgiveness of sins and new life, you know. So thank God for his grace and thank God for his mercy. But the scripture also says quite a bit about how grace, the grace of God, will help us in life. And particularly today, we want to talk about how grace helps us to live right. You know, and I think for everyone that's listening to me that's been born again, in other words, that's accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you and you have the life of God in you, there's something in you that wants to live right. And I think all of us sometimes struggle to live right and we're frustrated by our inability to, to live right. But we wanna encourage you today that you can live right by the grace of God. He will help you to live right. So our key scripture here that we're going to kind of launch out from is in Romans chapter 6 and the 14th verse. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So the implication here is that if you were under the law, in other words, if you were trying to serve God under the law of Moses, that sin would have dominion over you. Sin would be your ruler. If you're just trying to keep the law and do what's right, sin would be king over you, is basically what it's saying. But he's saying, because of the fact that you're under grace, sin shall not have dominion over you. So I want you to say, sin shall not have dominion over me in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sin does not have a right to lord it over you and to be king in your life. Amen. Righteousness is your inheritance. Righteousness and purity and holiness come from the Lord and has been planted inside your heart, amen, by the Holy Spirit. And you are able to live a life that is pleasing to God and holy before the Lord. Now, just to kind of put this into context here in the, in the book of Romans, of course, is Paul's teaching about justification by faith. And the first five chapters, he deals with sin and how that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
but that we are justified freely by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he justifies us. Now that means makes us righteous. And what that means is just as if we had never sinned before, he forgives us our sins and they're as far away as the East is from the West. I mean, God is in the forgiveness of sins business, amen? And I don't care how bad you've missed it, how far you've been away from God, he will forgive you and he will make you righteous, praise God. And that is the message of the first five chapters of the book of Romans, how that we are justified, and that word means made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of grand teaching in there. I think last, the last time we did a video, we, we touched on some of that concerning uh, Abraham and how Abraham received uh, uh, forgiveness and his relationship and inheritance with God through faith and not by earning it. We don't earn it. We receive it because Jesus paid the price for it. Jesus paid the price for our righteousness. He was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin, but he was made sin. He became a sin offering for you so that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he looks at you and he says, well, all I see is the blood. The blood covers you. The blood of Jesus covers you. You're forgiven. You're righteous in my sight. And so that's the, that's the message of justification by faith. But here in the sixth chapter now of the book of Romans, there's a transition that takes place. And Paul asks this question in the first verse. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So it's a, it's a good question. You know, he's, he's talking about how, you know, no matter what you've done, you're forgiven. Amen. Because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. So shall we just keep on sinning and you know, and uh, so that grace may abound. You know, lots of, lots of grace, lots of sin, lots of grace. And uh, I think sometimes this is the attitude people have about grace. They think that grace is just a license to sin or just a, a get out of jail free card, you know, or something like that. But grace is much more than that, as we're going to see as we study the scriptures. So he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So see, we're, we're looking at now into another aspect of our salvation. Yes, we have the forgiveness of sins, but here it also says we're dead to sin. See, we've had a, we received a change in our life. I know when I came to Christ, I, I changed. I became a different person uh, than I was before. I wanted to do things that I didn't want to do before, you know, I, I, and I didn't want to do the things that I did want to do before. My heart changed, amen, and righteousness came in. So he says, when you come to Christ, you're dead to sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So when we come to Jesus, we come into Jesus. We come in union with Jesus. We come in union with his death. So like he died unto sin once, so we died unto sin once. We are legally dead unto sin. And we are legally alive unto God. Do you believe it? 
It helps to believe the Bible. Amen. You know, if you want to be successful with the Lord, you need to agree with the Lord. And the Lord says you're dead to sin and alive to God. So he says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We should walk in newness of life because something has taken place on the inside of us. It's a work of grace. Now, getting back to the subject of grace specifically, uh, I want to share with you some uh, definitions of the word grace. The Greek word is charis. It's translated grace. And uh, as I said, you know, most often we, we hear the definition unmerited favor. But there's a couple definitions here from the, the Greek lexicon that I'd like to read to you. Number one, grace is goodwill, loving kindness, favor. That's God's loving kindness towards us in spite of the fact that we have sinned. He forgives our sin and he makes us righteous. You know, Jesus did that when he was on the earth. The, man, the paralyzed man, they brought him to Jesus and he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And so that healing and forgiveness go together. And Jesus forgave sins and he forgives sins today. So that's one definition. But another one in the Greek lexicon says, of the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kind, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. So in other words, grace is working in you to make you virtuous, to make you pure, to make you cleansed, you know, the scripture says that it's God that is working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You know, we shared the scripture uh, in the Christmas message about grace. It says, for by grace are you saved, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by working by being good enough for God. We are not, we're saved by his grace. All of us have to get in by grace. And then, but then it says, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yes, God is purifying unto himself a holy people. He's changing us. He's making us a people of love instead of selfishness. He's making us a people that care for others, that have right motives, that have pure thoughts, that speak pure words, and that live pure lives. Amen? And he does that by his grace. Just as he forgives us by his grace, he changes us by his grace. Praise the Lord for that. And we thank God for it. So... Um, let me share another scripture that ties in with this and just reaffirms that it's in the book of Titus. Paul writing to Pastor Titus. And of course, Titus is one of the three, it's called pastoral epistles in the Bible. 
So he's writing, Paul is writing to a pastor and telling him how to minister to his congregation. And it's in the second chapter, in the 11th verse, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the grace of God teaches us to live righteously and soberly in this world. Amen. The grace of God teaches us to live right. Amen. So the grace of God is not a license to sin. It's the opposite. It's power to live a godly life. Amen. And that's what God has for you. And that's where his peace is. And that's where his victory is. I tell you, God doesn't want you to live a defeated, uh, sin-filled life. He doesn't want you to be under the dominion of sin. Amen. He said, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law anymore. Amen. You're under God's grace. And God's grace is helping you to do what's right. It's God's grace is working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. So he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen. We should not be thieves. We should not be cheats. We should not be hurting one another. We should be treating our wives right, our husbands right, you know, our children right. And we all need to grow in these areas. You know, we need to grow in walking in love. The, the main commandment that Jesus has given to his church is to walk in love. And, you know, I think we all fall short of that sometimes. But through the grace of God, we can change. We can grow. Grace helps us to live right. Then it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is coming back. Amen. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And that's sinfulness. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, God wants you to be zealous of good works. He doesn't want you to receive the message of grace and say, well, you know, grace covers it all. Thank God, you know, I yeah, I sure do mess up and I, I'm going to just keep on messing up. And, you know, nothing's ever really going to change, but I got the grace. <laughs> no, he says that this grace will make you zealous. You should be zealous. He's purifying a people unto himself. Zealous, you know, zealous means you go after it. You know, you go after holiness. You go after becoming like Jesus. Paul said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I go after it with all my heart to be like Jesus, to be a holy man of God, to love people, to do what's right, to, to turn away from these selfish attitudes and to be a godly person before the Lord. Are you zealous for the Lord? He wants to awaken that zeal in you uh, for living right and doing what's right. And then he, he tells Pastor Titus, these things speak and exhort, which means encourage, and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. In other words, go ahead, Titus, preach a message of holiness, but let the people know it's by the grace of God. It's not through legalism. It's through recognizing the power of God working in the people. 
<clears throat> you know, I ran across the scripture today, and uh, it's in 1 Corinthians in the 15th chapter. We'll just turn over there a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, this is the chapter where he talks about the gospel message, how that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he, and he was buried, and he rose again. He says, this is the gospel. He says, you're saved by this message. And uh, and then he was seen of, you know, it says of Cephas, that's Peter, and, and then the twelve. And he goes on and he talks about the apostles. And then he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also, Paul says, as one born out of due time. Well, we know from the scriptures that, that uh, Paul did see Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a vision of him on the road to Damascus, or Jesus appeared to him there. And then he said in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So he's talking about his failures, about how he, he was persecuting the church until Jesus woke him up on the road to Damascus. But then he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. See? See, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because I certainly would not be anything without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the same goes for you. It's by his grace that we're saved. It's by his grace that we can live this holy life. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which, bestow, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. So Paul is kind of bragging here. He's saying, I, I work harder than all those other apostles. I'm, I'm, I work hard in the ministry. I labor more, you know, and uh, probably it's just the facts. I mean, he was a, he, he, he labored abundantly. He, he was unmarried. He gave himself completely to ministry, probably 24-7. If he wasn't praying, he was preaching. If he wasn't preaching, he was teaching. If he wasn't uh, preaching and teaching, he was praying for somebody. And, uh, you know, he labored more abundantly. And of course, we see the fruit of his ministry, how because of his labor, all these churches were established and all these people came to the Lord. But he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Then he says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You see, Paul recognized and told the people that he was a hard worker. But then he says, but it's not really me. It's God's grace in me. And it's the same way when I'm talking to you about living right. Yeah, we need to try to live right. You know, we need to set our course. We need to go after holiness. We need to pursue righteousness. We need to pursue a, a, a holy life and being like Jesus and walking in love. You know, we need to be determined about it. But at the same time, we need to realize that we need the grace of God to ever do anything righteous before the Lord. Because, you know, like the scripture said, all your righteousness is like filthy rags. But you see, when Jesus comes and lives his life in us, that's what grace is, you see. When Jesus comes and lives his life through us and we let him, we let him have his way. We yield to that righteousness. We yield uh, to that holy way of life, you see. Then it's to the glory of God. It's to the glory of God. If I 
did anything right in life. You know, I've done some things that were wrong, that were stupid. You know, sometimes I kick myself. I look back and some of the mistakes I made in life and ministry. But you know, it's by the grace of God that I receive forgiveness for those things. And it's by the grace of God that I continue on, that I might press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. So you need grace to live right. You need grace to fulfill a holy calling. But you say, how can I do this? You know, what is the practical way to do this? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So let's go over to uh, Hebrews and the uh, fourth, fourth chapter. And uh, the 16th verse, the 16th verse. How do we get how do we get the grace that we need to live right or to do ministry like Paul was talking about to labor intensely you know to go through struggles and be successful you know I know I've just been through some struggles with my health you know and I know I really needed the grace of God just to keep a good attitude sometimes you know it was easy to be a negative and complaining and uh, but we saw the hand of God. We saw the grace of God that I was able to manifest some Christ-likeness in that situation, and people saw it. And they said, you know, you have so much patience. Well, you know, I felt like, well, <laughs> you don't see me all the time. But, you know, there was something coming through. There was some Christ-likeness that was coming through there in that situation. I mean, it was, it was miraculous. It was the power of God. And so, but how do we obtain this grace for whatever it is, you know, that we need grace for? Maybe we need, maybe you need grace in your marriage. Maybe you need grace in, uh, in your relationship with your children. How can I, Father, I need grace as a father. I need grace as a husband. I need grace on the job to be a witness for you. I, I need grace to quit, um, saying swear words maybe or maybe I need grace to quit a habit that I know isn't godly how do you obtain that grace well it tells us right here it tells us right here in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 he says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace he didn't say come before the throne of judgment he says, come before the throne of grace. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a mercy seat. That would be, you know, similar to saying the throne of grace, the mercy. The mercy seat was there and the blood of the animals were applied as a temporary measure. But now the blood of Jesus has been applied as a permanent measure so that we can come before God's throne of grace, his loving kindness, his mercy. You know, his help, all the things that are there in the throne. See, we can approach the throne of God. We can come before God's throne and receive through prayer. So he says, let us therefore come boldly. How? Boldly. I think some other translations say confidently. How can we come confidently? You know, we start thinking about some of our failures and weaknesses and how we missed it. It's, it's hard to be bold, but we, if we remember the blood, if we remember that the blood has been shed for us, we can come boldly through the blood of Jesus. And 
Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 19. You can read more about that. But how do we come before the throne of grace? Well, through his grace, through Jesus Christ. We come before God through Jesus Christ, his son who died for our sins. So come before the throne of grace boldly, what that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right, so grace to help in time of need. So obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So how do we appropriate grace? We appropriate grace through prayer, through prayer. We can approach God boldly because of what Jesus did. We can obtain mercy for what we've done wrong and we can find grace to help in time of need. How many ever had a time of need? <laughs> Maybe you have a need to overcome something in your life. Amen. Maybe there's some, something that keeps happening over and over and over again. Come before the throne of grace. Obtain mercy. Find grace to help in time of need. We appropriate grace through prayer. It's by coming before our Heavenly Father. So let's say, you know, you just uh, messed up. You just got in an argument with your husband and you said some things you shouldn't have done, you shouldn't have said, and uh, you blew your stack and you weren't very Christ-like. Mm -mm -mm. Shame, 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 right? <laughs> well, thank God for the throne of grace where you can obtain mercy. Because he knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're dust, you know. And uh, so he's made provision for us to receive forgiveness. So we say, Father, forgive me for blowing up at my husband. And Lord, I said things that I shouldn't. And, and I ask him to forgive me too. But I ask you, Father, to forgive me. And by the way, this could be the other way around just as easy. Uh, we're, not picking on, we're not picking on the wives. But Father, forgive me. Have mercy on me for the way I acted or the way I've been acting. You see, this is it's a reconciliation. You're coming to God. You're getting reconciled. You know, I think most of us understand this, that there, there's a time when we realize, hey, you know, I haven't been doing right. I need to go to the Lord and get forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. So you're obtaining mercy, and then now you want to find grace to help in time of need. And Lord, I want to go forward in my relationship with my husband or my wife, and I ask you to help me. I ask you to give me grace to keep my cool uh, in situations like this. When he or she says something that wants to inflame me, I'll just take a step back and say, Lord, thank you for your grace. And Lord, I just ask you to give me grace in this situation, that your loving kindness and mercy would operate through me, and that I would have the wisdom of God in this relationship, and that I would able, be able to say words that would help them, and help me and help us to move together in you, that you might be glorified in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You see, this is such a vitally important thing, not only for your own spiritual life, but you know, the world needs to see Jesus. And, and you know, it's not about 
putting on some fake religiosity. It's about being honest with God and honest before people. And, and people can see, you know, when you're, when you're real and uh, genuine is the word I'm looking for there. And people can see that, you know, and, and uh, recognize that God's in your life, amen. And that's how people are gonna come to the Lord because <laughs> they're gonna see Jesus in you. You know, there was a man that was in prison unjustly. He was a Christian. And uh, he was he had a cellmate that was an ungodly man, an unbeliever, who he witnessed to continually. And uh, the man was just resistant to the gospel. And as many times in ways that he shared the gospel with him, the man would not receive Christ. And then suddenly the Lord gave him an idea and he said, uh, tell him this. He said, uh, do you know what Jesus is like? The man said to his cellmate. He said, no. He said, Jesus is like me. <laughs> and the man says, I want to receive him then. <laughs> And that's quite a statement to say, Jesus is like me, amen. But that's, that's the goal. That's what Paul was pressing towards. I pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I pray that something I've said today has encouraged you and sparked something in you and given you a desire to press forward, not in condemnation. See, that's the devil's trick. He wants us to... Yeah, we're pressing towards God and then we're failing and we're condemned and we're defeated. No, that's not, that's not God's pattern. God wants you to be victorious in this. And the only way you're going to be victorious is by his grace. <laughs> and you got to do, first you got to obtain mercy. Forgive me, Lord. And then you've got to find grace to help in time of need. And God will give you grace in whatever situation you are in. And he will bless your life. So I just thank you for listening today, and I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.